0: Good morning and welcome to Church at Home. Uh, My name is Simon Clegg and I'm the pastor of St Barnabas Bible Church here in Cape Town, South Africa. If you're listening for the first time, we're delighted you've joined us and I hope that our talk this morning will be an encouragement to you, uh, even as you continue in fellowship with a local church. Uh, Now we're currently in a series in the Gospel of Mark, uh, which I think is very much a book for our times. The global pandemic has prompted lots of people to look for something that explains what's happening and for something which gives solid hope for the future. And if that's you Mark's Gospel is the right place to start. Uh, If our talk today leaves you with questions uh, we'd be delighted to help and all you need to do is visit our website www.sbbc.org.za and uh, please leave your contact details on the tab on the home page and someone on the team will be in touch with you well now as we begin can I invite you to please open your Bible to the Gospel of Mark chapter 2 and I'll be reading from verses 1 to 12 Gospel of Mark chapter 2 beginning at verse 1 a few days later when Jesus again entered Capernaum the people heard that he had come home So many gathered that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralytic, carried by four of them. Since they couldn't get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus, and after digging through it, lowered the mat the paralysed man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, "'Son, your sins are forgiven.' get up, take your mat and walk but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins he said to the paralytic I tell you get up, take your mat and go home he got up, took his mat and walked out in full view of them all this amazed everyone and they praised God saying we've never seen anything like this Well, just so far, and let's ask for the Lord's help as we look at this passage together. Gracious Heavenly Father, uh, you have promised to be with your church, watching over us, protecting us, providing all that we need for life and godliness. We thank you that you know our past and understand it completely, that you know our needs and are able to meet them adequately that you know our destiny and are able to prepare us for it perfectly. Will you come to us now and speak to us by your Spirit, through your Word, that each one of us might be conscious that we're listening to the voice of the Lord Jesus Christ, calling us now to follow Him into the future, for it is in His name that we ask it. Amen well at the start of this year none of us uh, could see how dramatically our world was going to change no one saw that in a matter of weeks the virus in China would become a global pandemic no one saw the number of deaths that would follow no one saw the social and economic consequences this I think a potent reminder that our view of things is often inadequate we rarely see the complete picture. Certainly no one sees as well as the Lord Jesus does as we're going to discover in Mark chapter 2. And we must be very thankful for the fact that Jesus sees what we don't see and that he's able to do something about it. Now this morning we come to an event in Mark's book that is very significant indeed. In fact I would go so far as to say that this might be the most significant event in the life of Jesus before the cross. Indeed if you only had these 12 verses on the life of Jesus and nothing else before the cross you would have more than enough to enable you to trust him to put away your doubts and to follow him because what Jesus says and what he does in this passage is quite breathtaking. First, we see that as this paralytic comes through the roof and then lands in front of him, that Jesus has a telescopic mind. He then says something that's incredibly arresting. And in case anybody should say, look, you're talking way beyond your powers, he then proves he can do what he says. Now this is a passage which in some ways is all about long-term hope. Uh, Tim Keller tells a true story about two men who were thrown into prison together one of them had discovered that his wife and children had been killed and with nothing to look forward to he soon died from sheer hopelessness but the other one knew he had a family to return to and he endured the terrible suffering of life and prison and was eventually released and returned home and he survived because he had something solid to look forward to he had hope well Mark 2 is a passage that gives us long term telescopic hope we're going to look at it under two headings this morning the first is Jesus sees what we cannot see and the second is Jesus solves what we cannot solve so first, Jesus sees what we cannot see. Now so far in Mark's book, we've seen Jesus announce himself as the king. We've seen something uh, of his authority because he speaks with tremendous power. We've seen something of his goodness because he, he heals people with tremendous compassion. And we know that his priority is not short-term healing but long-term salvation. And now here in chapter 2 verse 1 he's back in Capernaum, he's in a crowded house he's preaching again because that's his priority and he urgently wants people to hear and understand the gospel. I think most of you listening today know this incident backwards. Uh, Four men bring a paralysed man to Jesus now they can't get in because the place is packed so they go up onto the flat roof and uh, with a fair deal of effort they peel back the roof and they lower the man through the roof to Jesus and it's impossible I think to miss the point because effectively they're saying to Jesus uh, we know you're preaching we know what your agenda is but this is our agenda our friend is unwell He's paralysed, and we believe that you have the power and the goodness to interrupt your sermon in order to heal him. Please make him well. Uh, Notice in passing that uh, they do all of this because they've run out of options. They've nowhere else to go but Christ. And one of the ways that Christ saves people is by taking away all of their props and all of their supports you see they're not coming to Christ when things are going well I mean why would you come to Christ when things are going well Uh, especially if you think he'll wreck your life Uh, why come to Christ if you can possibly avoid him so sometimes God does indeed knock away the props and supports not because he doesn't love people but precisely because he does and he knows they're not listening to him so he works to get them to listen however of course one of the tragedies of life is that some people who don't listen to Christ when things are going well don't listen to him when things go wrong either so all over the world you will meet some people who say you know what when I look back on all those troubles I experienced I'm very thankful because if it weren't for the troubles I would never have come to my senses I would never have turned to Jesus Christ but you will also meet other people who say actually the final nail in the coffin of my faith was when those troubles came but the point is that trouble can sometimes be used as an instrument by God to bring people to faith and surely that is the word for today that's what we find in Mark chapter 2 it is an instrument he's using to bring this paralysed man to Christ and of course there is no hope without Christ but with Christ there is a very wonderful hope now we see in chapter 2 verse 5 that Jesus jumps at the opportunity to be gracious to this man Uh, these four men and the man on the mat have moved, as it were, from self-belief to Christ-belief, which is a very good move indeed. But if they think that their agenda is going to change Jesus' agenda they're in for a surprise, because Jesus looks at the man on the mat and he says, you're forgiven your sins are forgiven, you think healing is the top priority, it's not the top priority the top priority is that you get forgiveness. Now, how would you feel if you were the four men on the roof and you'd brought your paralyzed friend to Jesus and you heard Jesus say, You're forgiven? And how would you feel if you were the man on the mat? Well, we're not told in the text, but it must surely have been a combination of shock. What on earth is going on here? Why is Jesus talking like this? And also disappointment. You can imagine the men on the roof looking down and saying to Jesus, Jesus, look at the legs. The legs don't work. Why is he on a mat? Because he's paralyzed. Please fix the legs. Well, I want to try and show you why Jesus is infinitely wiser than the men on the roof and the man on the mat and why Jesus is so very wise to give this man forgiveness and not healing so I want to ask you to work with me in your imagination for a moment I want you to imagine that the whole incident stops right now at this point in the the story the man comes down on the mat Uh, Jesus looks at him and says you're forgiven and that's the end of it Jesus carries on with the sermon so imagine that the four men wind the paralysed man back up onto the roof Uh, they carry him home on a stretcher his wife is waiting at the gate and she's full of expectation that he's going to walk into the house healed but she sees the men bringing him back still on the stretcher she says what's happened and uh, they say well we're not really sure uh, Jesus said he's forgiven and his wife says well what use is that and they say well we don't really know and she says well this is an enormous disappointment you'd better bring him back into the house so they take him inside and back to his room and he goes back to his former occupation uh, of I don't know making pots, mending shoes something like that and a decade goes by and another decade goes by and another decade goes by and the man dies and then suddenly he finds himself walking through the gates of heaven and in this imaginary scene he goes up to the welcome desk at the gates of heaven and he says you know this place looks wonderful how long am I here for and uh, they say well it is wonderful you're here forever and you'll never be removed and you'll never be disappointed and you'll never be bored and the man says well I don't think I really deserve to be here my life was extremely messy plenty of sins in thought and word and deed I don't deserve to be here but the people on the welcome desk say well that might be true but it says here in our book that you've been forgiven and that everything against your name has been cancelled so welcome, come in. The man says how can this be possible? And they say it's all been paid for on your behalf by Jesus Christ. So in our imaginary scene this man walks over to Christ and he says I am just so thankful that you've done this for me because uh, when I came through the roof I had no idea really what I was after but you've given me something wonderful way beyond anything I could possibly have asked or dreamed and then a thousand years later he again walks over to Christ and he says have I thanked you recently for what you did for me on the cross and for the gift of forgiveness because it's infinitely more wonderful than anything I could have asked for in the world and then a million years later he again walks over to Christ and says I just want to thank you again for what you did for me it was so far sighted so generous so wonderful now, i was a complete fool i didn't know what i wanted but you've done this very wonderful thing for me and i am deeply grateful so these men you see the four and the one they came for a small gift Uh, The gift of health. It was a good gift, but it was a small gift. And instead Jesus has given this infinitely precious gift of forgiveness because he works on this huge long-term scale. Now don't misunderstand me when we talk about this. Uh, We are deeply grateful for all the healthy days and weeks and months and years that we have in this life. And we're very grateful grateful for all those who help us get well when we're sick. But I hope you know as well as I do that no amount of jogging and workouts and exercise and healthy eating can bring you to God. And they certainly won't get you through the grave. In fact, when you think about it, the benefits don't last very long at all. Someone has said, if you do lots of jogging and gym work and healthy eating you will look really terrific in your coffin so there is a place for these things but it's not a big place well I mentioned before that these men who brought their friend they must have been shocked and disappointed Uh, but that's because they're short sighted and yet Jesus here is is giving him something which is bringing this man to God because he's Removing the barrier between the man and God and it is an incredible gift that takes him into eternal life. Now if that's what the friends thought, what about the religious people in verses 6 and 7? Because they're not so much shocked and disappointed, they're angry. So look with me please at verse 6. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Now you see what they're saying is that all sins are ultimately sins against God. Uh, If I wrong my neighbour in some way then of course I've sinned against him. But I've also sinned against God Who's told me, plainly, not to do it. Now we don't know what particular sins the man on the mat has committed but whatever they are, they are ultimately sins against God. And if Jesus steps in and says that he forgives them, well then Jesus is being sacrilegious, he's blasphemous and insulting because no one can forgive sins against God except God so Jesus is either insane or he's saying something which is deeply disturbing now what's so interesting about this is that there is absolutely nothing in the Old Testament which indicated that the Messiah when he came would forgive people the Old Testament says that when Messiah came he would do many great things including healing people but in the Old Testament only God can forgive you. So uh, in Psalm 130 the psalmist talking to God says with you there is forgiveness. Nowhere was there a promise that you could spot the Messiah by the fact that he would go around forgiving people. So these people aren't simply angry with someone who was beginning to get the reputation of the Messiah no they're angry because he's now acting and talking like God himself and for them that was deeply confronting now Jesus knows they're angry so he does something very kind and very thoughtful and very wonderful because he doesn't simply say well you've got to deal with this he says I'm going to give you a proof now that when I say things they actually happen so he asks the question in verse 9 if you think my words are empty here's a question for you which is easier is it easier to say you're forgiven which I've just done or get up and walk because what I'm about to do is going to help you to know and to have confidence in me and trust me and not doubt me and not turn away from me and he says to the man get up, take your mat, go home now obviously if uh, you were to be asked the question which is easier to say you're forgiven or get up and walk both are impossible for mortal people we can't forgive people for their sins against God and we can't heal people either but having said that of course it is much easier to say with your mouth you're forgiven because nobody can prove it I mean if I was foolish enough to say this morning you're all forgiven well it's just talk there's no way to test it or prove it if however somebody came into church in a wheelchair and they're paralysed from the waist down and I was to say get up and walk well you'd be able to tell in two seconds whether I'm talking rubbish or not So Jesus says so that you know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins I say to the man get up, take your mat and go home. The little phrase Son of Man is important. In the Old Testament it usually meant a human being. But in one very famous passage in Daniel chapter 7 the phrase Son of Man meant something like cosmic Lord because in that passage the Son of Man is the person to whom God gives sovereign authority over all people everywhere so when Jesus refers to himself as the Son of Man he's actually being extremely clever because you see he doesn't want to fuel the big messianic expectations about him before he gets to the cross so what he's saying is I am the son of man that's my claim and uh, for those of you who are angry about that well just think of me as a human being but for those of you who do know your Old Testament I am claiming to be the cosmic lord and king of Daniel 7 and in order that you can know that the son of man has authority on earth to forgive sins I tell you, get up, take your mat, go home. Now what can the angry people say? Because the man doesn't just stand up he actually picks up his mat and walks out in full view of everybody. And those of you who've been in bed for any length of time with an injury of some kind know that when you get up you're actually very shaky on your legs and uh, if you've been paralysed for weeks, months or years you actually can't walk properly for some time you need physio, you need occupational therapy and all kinds of things in order to get you moving properly and here's this man and he's miraculously made whole as if if he were never paralysed before and he walks out and everyone sees it it's unarguable so you see what this means as soon as this man gets up and walks everyone in the room has to say well the words that came out of Jesus' mouth have power and therefore when he spoke the words get up and walk it happened and in the same way when he spoke and said forgiven it happened this is obviously God come into the world and I love it that in this story nobody had any ammunition left. The text simply says this amazed everyone and they praised God saying we've never seen anything like this I don't know if that included his enemies but everybody praised God So that's the first thing Jesus sees what we can't see. Uh, He gives the priority of forgiveness he dies to provide the priority of forgiveness because in the long term friends that's the only thing that counts now the second thing here is that Jesus solves what we cannot solve he not only sees what's really important but he actually gives it as a gift of course gifts mean different things in different contexts Uh, sometimes we get embarrassing gifts which we don't know what to do with Uh, at other times we perhaps get useless gifts and we hide them away and hope the person that gave them to us doesn't ask to see them but there are also incredible gifts and this is the most incredible gift of all this is the gift of forgiveness which Jesus doesn't just talk about he provides it when I became a Christian many years ago I learned two things from the Bible first I learned that my sin would send me to hell and second I learned that Christ's forgiveness would take me to heaven and you see that's all I really needed to know Uh, the bad news and the good news and the good news overpowering the bad news and that's how I became a Christian and uh, I came away from that particular gathering where I heard these things thinking to myself there is no greater gift than forgiveness and now many years later as a pastor I know that there is no greater privilege in the world than to pass on the message of forgiveness but when Jesus says to the man in chapter 2 verse 5 you're forgiven it isn't just talk it's not just a throwaway line equally Jesus is not saying to the man on the mat well let's just forget about everything I'm letting you off whatever you did in the past doesn't really matter no this, this incredible gift of forgiveness which brings fellowship with almighty God and takes a man through the gates of heaven was paid for by Jesus at the cross where he lost fellowship with God and walked through the gates of hell so the day that Jesus said to the paralytic you're forgiven he might also have said to him and you know what I'm going to pay for that I'm going to pay a great deal for that in fact you have absolutely no idea what this is going to cost this gift that I'm giving you is actually going to cost me everything Uh, Robert Murray McShane was a famous Scottish pastor and this is how he described the work of Jesus on the cross. He said this When Jesus died the father who had been his bright sun became his darkness and all that the father had been to him was taken from him all that the father could be to evil he was to Christ. And the words depart you cursed were said to Christ. This is the hell that Christ suffered. A quality and quantity of judgment that we will never fathom. But if you seek and find the one who was forsaken you will never be forsaken. And friends, you see, everyone in the world needs to be forgiven. Everyone in the world needs Jesus Christ. And uh, Mark chapter 2 is where we see Jesus say that. And Mark chapter 15 is where we see Jesus pay for that. So the day that the paralytic came through the roof and received forgiveness, he received eternal life and the day that you receive forgiveness you receive eternal life but don't lose sight of what it cost Jesus now friends uh, one of the reasons I love this passage in Mark 2 is because we see here that Christ's words are true it's very easy to miss that isn't it and uh, because we're so full of doubts and unbelief and because we're unsteady creatures by nature I think it's very stabilising and very wonderful to be reminded in this dramatic way that Christ's words are true now you might be listening to this today and the truth is that if we were able to sit down after the service over coffee that you would say to me well you know to be honest Simon I cannot actually say that I am forgiven by Christ I don't have that assurance I don't have that peace and I don't have that hope well if that's you my friend you're missing what Christ says is the top priority for every human being it's more important than anything else in your life so friends as we come away from this passage I want to challenge you to ask yourself could Jesus possibly be any clearer on this topic could he have said it more clearly when he addresses a paralytic and says you're forgiven could he have said it more clearly that this is what everybody needs and could he have proved it more clearly than by marching to Jerusalem and dying on the cross to pay for it I'm sure you'll agree that he couldn't possibly have been any clearer so this morning I simply want to urge you to agree with him You must say to yourself, yes, this is the most important thing. Not only has he said it, but he provides it. And uh, if he provides it, I must receive it. Now, there may be people listening or watching this morning, and uh, you perhaps have been going to church for years. Uh, You know your Bible a little bit, but you've never responded to Christ, and you've never taken hold of forgiveness and if that's you, my friend, you are unforgiven I actually know quite a few people like that and most of them would be expecting me to say what I've just said well if that is you there really is nothing more for me to say but you should ask yourself did Jesus speak about this as the most important thing in the universe and did he act like it was and the answer is yes and yes. I imagine that most of you listening this morning are forgiven but uh, you will ask yourself now and again as I ask myself what if I'm not forgiven? How can I be sure if I'm forgiven? Well, you must learn the lesson of Mark chapter 2 which is that the words of Jesus Christ are true. You see when Jesus spoke forgiveness to the paralytic it wasn't hot air. And in the same way when the gospel comes to us in the pages of scripture it is not hot air. You might say look if I'm going to have real assurance about this I actually need a roof experience. Well I'm sorry but you're not going to get that. But the words that Jesus said to the man on that day and the words that he says in the pages of the New Testament are the same and they are not hot air and when Jesus says come to me and I will give you rest or when Paul says believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved or when the Bible says you will receive forgiveness for your sins that's it you don't need to question those words as you think about the Bible promises what you've got to do is say to yourself this word that I've seen in the Bible is the equivalent of what Jesus said to the man who came through the roof the people in the house should not have doubted and should not have criticised Jesus for what he said and I shouldn't doubt or criticise Jesus for what he says in the pages of the New Testament does he say I'm forgiven I'm forgiven Has he paid to make it possible? I'm forgiven. I've got the promise in the Bible. I've got the proof in the cross. I don't need more proof. I've got his word. I've got his work. I am forgiven. Friends, you see, the word of God, the word of Jesus Christ, is wonderful and incredibly powerful. So this week I heard about a lady who works for the Bible Society. Uh, taking Bibles into Iraq and uh, on one occasion she was stopped at one of the checkpoints Uh, one of the officials opened her suitcase saw the Bibles and said please come into my office he took her into his office and he said to her I want you to know that in your work of distributing Bibles in Iraq you got a friend in me because I'm from a Muslim background And uh, my family was in great need at one stage. We didn't know where to turn. And some people who must have been Christians sent us a box of provisions. And in that box of provisions was a Bible. We read it as a family. Uh, I've become a Christian. My wife is also a Christian. And we want you to know that you've got friends in us in your distribution of Bibles. And uh, he went on to say that uh, his wife is helping Muslim women get digital Bibles which they listen to on headphones apparently underneath their burkas so that no one can see what they're doing so burkas are a good thing after all friends the word of God is incredibly wonderful and incredibly powerful it was spoken to the man on the mat it was proved to the man on the mat it's been spoken to us in the pages of scripture and you and I must rejoice in its truth let's pray well gracious God we thank you for this incident with the man on the mat and especially we thank you for what was said to him and what was done for him and what has been said to us and what has been done for us we pray that you would prompt and move everyone who's not yet forgiven to look to Christ and we pray that you would prompt everyone who's been forgiven to live for Christ and we ask it in Jesus name Amen